Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. Hello and welcome to Born of Wonder. I'm Katie Marquette. Happy Feast of St. Francis. I was so excited when I looked ahead at the schedule and saw that October 4th was the next Tuesday I would be releasing an episode and it would be the Feast of St. Francis, patron of animals, uh, peacekeeper, uh, founder of the Franciscan Order, amazing saint, and uh, a wonderful sort of way to celebrate the role of animals in our lives. So um, yeah, welcome to the podcast. I'm sorry I missed an episode last week. Um, the toddler and I seem to have just been like passing back and forth. I don't know if it's a little sinus cold or allergies or what, um, but uh, we're just sort of taking turns being congested. <laughs> and it was my turn last week, so um, I took took a little break there. But uh, in that time, we have entered fall, and right on cue, the weather has switched uh, where we are. It is. literally it was the night of the first day of fall the wind sort of picked up and it dropped about 15 degrees and it has not gone back up much to my you know delight uh (laughs) it's been rainy cloudy cold uh it yeah very very actually quite cold um bundling up out there when I went out this morning to the barn at you know it was still dark outside and it was rainy and freezing and uh you know call me crazy but I actually loved it I found it very invigorating and part of why I love cold weather is the excuse to do all the cold you know uh cozy things inside right so I like being outside in the cold but then I almost like even more when you come inside and you light some candles or we lit uh our first fire of the season I did um just some really simple little baking this is something really easy you can make if you want your house to smell really good you could do some baked apples just cut up some apples put some uh butter cinnamon and sugar on them and pop them in the oven for 20 minutes at 400 degrees or something and then you can you know eat them with yogurt or I had them with cheddar cheese and they're just really really good uh I I have um GD gestational diabetes this pregnancy again so I used monk fruit sugar 
instead of real sugar and uh, it was just great and then cheese for protein and it was a delicious snack and the house smelled so lovely so uh, there's just so many cozy things you can do like watching You've Got Mail as I did last week or watching the 1994 Little Women as we did last night. So uh, just a great time of year, a great time to be outside and a great time to um, balance that with lots of cozy inside activities. So I'm sitting in um, quite a cold office right now because our baseboards aren't working in parts of the house so that's kind of fun but i've got a hot cup of tea and i had a little space heater blowing on me for the last 15 minutes uh, i turned it off for recording but um i can hear the wind outside raining still uh so so it's it's uh it feels like october um, this is, of course, the month where we remember and pray for the dead. I will definitely uh, do some episodes maybe uh, coming up about that. And um, I've done done in the past, you can listen to my episode about Sylvia Plath, the, uh, the famous poet, confessional poet, who has meant a lot to me over the years and uh, why I offer mass for her. So you could look, go back and listen to that. I talk in that um episode about the tradition and the theological uh, importance of praying for the dead. So welcome to October, best month of the year, absolutely the best month. Um, My gift to myself, it was my birthday last week, it was my gift to myself was to completely sign off social media for my favorite month uh, so I could just be free psychologically from that. I had been signing on one or two days a week, um, which was a good compromise, I think, you know, just delete the app the other days, then re-download it, although you feel so silly doing it every time. Um, but yeah, this is my gift to myself is to be totally free for, for a month at least. So I'm very much enjoying that. Um, I know I talk about that internet stuff a lot, but it's always on my mind, I guess. And I actually always get a lot of emails about it. Um, whenever I bring it up, people trying to find solutions about, um, you know, how to incorporate the internet in their life, how to incorporate social media into their life. And I don't know if anybody's found the balance, let me know. Uh, yeah, I would love to know. So, but, uh, my solution right now is just to get off there, get off there and get outside and bake some things and cook some things and enjoy the month of October. So today on the podcast, we're going to celebrate St. Francis. I'm going to tell you three different saint stories. One of them about St. Francis, one of them about St. Jerome, and one of them about St. Hubert, all of which involve animals and especially the stories of St. Jerome and St. Francis uh, sort of mirror um, the ideals and the hope uh, that we heard about, uh, as I introduced in the podcast the from the prophet Isaiah, this concept called the peaceable kingdom, uh, that in the sort of new world to come, uh, that that's that you know the lion will lay down with the lamb that the, sort of the the violence between uh god's creatures um won't exist anymore so um these saint stories sort of mirror that um ultimate hope and ultimate truth about the relationship between um humans and animals and animals uh with each other uh so so and and of course you know it's it's without violence and that's what's so fascinating to me about the animal world because it is so so violent <laughs> so often often uh it is and um and yet it's also this source of incredible consolation and truth and uh and you know the peace of wild things Wendell Berry 
I always think of that line whenever I get anxious about something. I come into the piece of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. So much we can learn from animals. So much I learn from them every day. Um, <laughs> even as I get so annoyed with them sometimes, I don't know what the, the, the dogs are so needy. Um, but, but you know, I love them, man. They're, they're part of the family. Um, they just, I think, are very excited by um, a toddler being in their life who drops food everywhere. And I think they've gotten a little too obsessed with food. So <laughs> I <laughs> haven't loved that. But um, but yeah, animals have taught me so much. Uh, I've, I've recommended this former podcast episode I did, The Piece of Wild Things. It was like episode two or something, but it's still one of my favorites. So if you want to sort of continue uh, celebrating St. Francis and, as the patron of animals and thinking about animals and sort of the complicated role they play in our lives. You can go back and listen to that episode. I talk a lot about, um, I bring up Ted Hughes, uh, one of my favorite poets, and Helen McDonald, who wrote the brilliant, brilliant book, H is for Hawk, a uh, really, really interesting um, story there about her training a goshawk and what that taught her about animals and about human beings and her own life and grief and everything else. So very, uh, very much recommend that book and recommend that episode. Um, it's also so interesting when you think about the role of animals in our lives. Uh, the other day, Chris said something, you know, that there are a lot of kids books all about imitating farm animals. And there are, I mean, so, I mean, all of our daughter's books are about animals, almost all of them. She loves to, you know, we ask her, what does a wolf say? What does a cow say? What does a sheep say? And we love to, you know, she loves to imitate them. She loves, um, she loves playing with the animals. Uh, we have our, you know, our sweet dogs, they are really, really, really tolerant and she'll climb all over them. And, um, she loves the horses and the donkeys and cats, <laughs> loves to try to chase cats, um, and meow after them and things like that. Um, but you know, the animals, I think play a huge role in our lives psychologically. There's probably some sort of evolutionary backstory to that, that, you know, sort of our psyche is literally filled with, with animals because they were much more sort of a palpable presence in our life, both threatening and comforting, both friend and foe. But um, they, that, that sort of still lingers, especially in our, in our children's stories, which are, are full of, you know, foundational myths and ideas and lots of sort of there's there's probably just a whole I mean I know there is there's like a genre of literature all about the sort of the psychological um realities behind children's stories and uh and animals animals are all over them anthropomorphized animals I just find it so interesting um that children so naturally are interested in and want to connect with animals both in literature uh and and in real life uh so so clearly animals are we have a deep connection with them, right? I mean, that was the first thing uh, in creation. Adam named the animals, the one by one. You know, this 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 relationship we have with them that is is has been fraught. Uh, I think over the centuries has changed, um, but it, it's it's played a huge a huge role in uh, in who we are as human beings. Animals, animals, and humans are um, constantly in an interplay with each other. I think so. Anyway, enough rambling about that. Uh, if you would like to, you know, get in touch with me, especially while I'm sort of off the uh, off the social media life, um, please go to bornofwonder.com. Uh, go to the contact me page. Email me anytime. Would love to hear from you. 
and please leave a review uh, if you think of it if you have the time I would so appreciate it just go to iTunes I love to read them Uh, they mean a lot to me they mean a lot to the podcast Uh, so if you just leave a sentence or two uh, leave a star rating on Spotify that would be amazing Uh, if you'd like to consider supporting uh, the podcast um, help me pay for Adobe Audition and subscriptions to music and um, coffee and tea really essential things Uh, you can support me on Patreon for two dollars a month. Um, You can follow the link in the show notes or find a link on the website. So thank you so much as always for listening. Um, And again, I'm sorry for missing an episode last week. I'm going to try to stay consistent, but you know, life happens, right? So (laughs) anyway, without further ado, let's get going into uh, these wonderful saint stories uh, about animals celebrating the peaceable kingdom, celebrating animals today on the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Blessed are you, Lord God, maker of all living creatures. You called forth fish in the sea, birds in the air, and animals on the land. You inspired St. Francis to call of them his brothers and sisters. We ask you to bless this pet. By the power of your love, enable it to live according to your plan. May we always praise you for all your beauty and creation. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, in all your creatures. Amen. So that's the blessing that uh, is most frequently used at, uh, at, at the blessing of the animals, uh, which is a tradition many churches do around the Feast of St. Francis. I know our church did it this past weekend. They said you could bring any, any animal, so I kind of wanted to show up with one of the more, you know, like the miniature donkey or something like that. I feel like maybe they could have been roped into coming back for a nativity scene or something like that. But yes, you can use that blessing yourself. Um, use some holy water or something and bless your animals so there you go blessing of the animals and that tradition dates back uh back to the life of saint francis of assisi who was he uh if you don't know if you don't know a lot of people just know his name he was born in the 1100s died in 1226 uh born giovanni de pietro de bernardon <laughs> something like that in assisi italy um he you know had a very luxurious life as a young man um, his father was a rich merchant but then when war broke out between assisi and per- Perguia, oh my gosh sorry about this pronunciation butchering in 1202 um young giovanni he joined the cavalry he was wounded and captured by the enemies held a prisoner for over a year and then his father paid ransom for him to be released this whole experience really changed him um he wasn't interested in all his uh, material wealth anymore he began focusing on god spent a lot of time in an old byzantine church and a remote mountain hideaway praying looking for answers Uh, And ultimately, he believed he heard the voice of God telling him to live a life of extreme poverty and rebuild his church. So uh, he heeded the call, exchanged all his clothing, much to his father's dismay, for a rough tunic. Um, got a band of 12 local followers to go out and preach the gospel, and he took Francis as his new name, and of course is known for sort of his extreme um, embrace of poverty, uh, which was a a particularly radical idea for especially, um, you know, a well-off young man such as himself. Uh, And he's long been associated with a great love of animals, great love and respect for animals. He first blessed animals early in his ministry, sometime between 1210 and 1215. Uh, The story goes that he was wandering around outdoors on a nice, pleasant afternoon, but he was full of self-doubt, you know, just wondering what God was asking of him when he noticed a flock of birds in his path. 
He immediately felt the need to talk to them as though they were his equals and to start preaching to them about God's glories and the reasons why men and animals animals should both be grateful for these blessings uh, and that the birds should always, uh, you know, direct their song as sort of a, a praise of God. Uh, so, so that was his first, you know, his famous preaching to the birds. And there are many other animal stories, one of which I'm going to tell you in a moment. Um, he was also a few years later, uh, in 1223 responsible for the first outdoor Christmas nativity scene, uh, featuring live animals. So he took a borrowed donkey, a wax statue of the baby Jesus, a trough of straw and a few volunteers to play Mary and Joseph. And, uh, and there it was the first living, breathing nativity scene, uh, at least according to legend that, uh, that was the first one. So, and then he would die at age 44 on October 4th, 1226. Uh, canonized a saint less than two years later, and uh, great devotion has has you know continued uh, in his name for years and years and years um, ever since that day. And um, since then, he has very much become the patron of animals because of these many wonderful stories about him uh, preaching to the animals, respecting the animals, um, inviting them to sort of join his ministry in one way or the other. Uh, and this story I'm going to tell you famous story of maybe if you look up iconography of St. Francis, you might see him with a wolf and be like, what's going on here? So this is the story of St. Francis and the wolf of Gubbio. Uh, Gubbio is a town in Italy. I actually did Google the pronunciation on that one. So <laughs> um, so apparently this this wolf was absolutely terrorizing uh, people, people in this, in this village, um, he had been killing, you know, sheep and animals, but he had even started killing people, including some children. So this was just, you know, this wolf was an absolute terror and menace to the people of this town. And St. Francis was visiting and he decides he's going to go out and meet the wolf. Um, this account is found in the little flowers of St. Francis, a 14th century collection of stories about Francis and his companions. And according to the story, when the wolf sees St. Francis, he comes charging at the state saint with his mouth open ready to attack him and saint francis very calmly um, immediately makes the sign of the cross over him and says come here brother wolf i command you on behalf of christ that you do no harm to me or to anyone and as soon as saint francis did this uh, the quote the fearsome wolf closed his mouth and stopped running and once the command was given it came meekly as a lamb and threw itself at the feast feet of saint francis then St. Francis scolds Brother Wolf for destroying and killing the creatures of God. He said, the whole town is complaining about you, but I want to make peace between you and the people. And so I promise that I will have food given to you regularly, Brother Wolf, by the people of this town so that you will no longer suffer hunger. And I want you, Brother Wolf, to promise that you will never harm any person or animal. The wolf bowed his head in agreement. So uh, the, the wolf gets a regular meal and leaves everyone alone. So that is the legend of St. Francis of Assisi and the Wolf of Gubbio. So a similar story uh, we find with, uh, with one of my very favorite saints, St. Jerome, who is the patron saint of books and librarians and uh, the literary life. Uh, he also, you know, his feast day was just a couple days ago. It was on September 30th, and that's my birthday. So I just, when I discovered that St. Jerome was my patron, you know, the, the patron saint of my birthday, I was like, this is amazing. So I, I love him even more uh, now. But um, so St. Jerome, as we all know, was sort of 
a curmudgeonly fellow, uh, had a bit of a temper, uh, you know, a bit of a, a stinging word every now and then, a bit, a bit, not always the best person to be around, kind of buried in his books. But uh, this story shows that he was also a man of, um, you know, a lot of tenderness and kindness too. So this story, um, this version of it that comes from uh, a collection called The Golden Legend. And uh, The Golden Legend is a collection of hagiographies widely read in late medieval Europe. Um, more than a thousand manuscripts of the text have survived, likely compiled around the years 1259 to 1266, added to over the centuries. So anyway, this is the story of St. Jerome and the Lion uh, from The Golden Legend says one day toward evening when he was seated with the brethren to hear the sacred lessons read a lion suddenly limped into the monastery the other monks fled at the sight of the beast but jerome greeted him as a guest the lion showed him his wounded foot and jerome called the brothers and ordered them to wash the animal's feet and to dress the wound carefully when they set about doing this they found that the paw had been scratched and torn by thorns they did what was necessary, and the lion recovered, lost all his wildness, and lived among the monks like a house pet. So, amazing story there of St. Jerome and the lion. Uh, you know, I, I, I just love this scene, you know, that they're all just sort of sitting around at the monastery, and a lion wanders in, and sort of very reasonably, most of the monks, uh, you know, uh, get out of there <laughs> quite fast. Um, they are scared. A lion has wandered in, and but uh, Saint Jerome has this awareness that there's something wrong, uh, and that this lion needs help, and has the wherewithal to to help uh, to help to help the animal, and he does, and uh, gains gains this uh, immense trust from him in the process. And uh, just I love the idea of a pet lion at the monastery. I think that. Maybe there's some book waiting to be written about that, speaking of children's stories, you know, so like St. Jerome's Lion, maybe somebody wants to write something about that. But um, I love these two stories, and I think they really, really, really exemplify the idea of the peaceable kingdom. These two saints, um, sort of in their radical trust of God, are um, are able to, in these isolated incidents, sort of overcome the natural order of things, um, the violence of the wolf, the violence of the lion, and, uh, and tame them um, with kindness, with the, with the sign of the cross, with an act of mercy or compassion. Um, I also think there's, there's a sense of, of justice, uh, a sense of, especially in the story about, um, about the wolf, sort of, there's, there's a, there's a deal struck, right, that the sort of, um, you know, that the wolf is doing this out of hunger, maybe not out of malice, and that if we give the wolf food, he will leave us alone. So maybe there's something practical in there as well. Same thing with the lion. Maybe this lion isn't, um, you know, roaring in ferocity, but in pain. It really makes me think of this, uh, this quote from the poet Rilke. Perhaps all the dragons in our lives are princesses who are only waiting to see us act just once with beauty and courage. Perhaps everything that frightens us is, in its deepest essence, something helpless that wants our love. So I think that that is a beautiful sort of lens with which to view these two stories of St. Jerome and the Lion and uh, St. Francis and the Wolf of Gubbio. The last saint's story has to do with a man by the name of Hubert. Uh, saint Hubert um, was was a hunter. Okay, so he is the patron of hunting. There's still um, 
in France, especially, there are, are on St. Hubert's Day, there is a lot of times when there'll be a special hunt, uh, a special fox hunt or something like that. St. Hubert is the patron of, um, of, of stag hunters, but really of all hunters. Um, but he's also the patron of ethical hunting, which I think is really interesting. I've written about that before, actually, um, my own experience with, with hunting and, um, and sort of my views on it. Uh, I'll put a link to that in this, in the show notes. Um, I do bring up the story of, of St. Hubert. So St. Hubert was a hunter, um, and he hunted a lot, though. He sort of hunted very indiscriminately, especially after um, his wife died giving birth to their son. He is sort of uh, you know, just grief stricken and he just retreats to the woods and just sort of indiscriminately is, is, um, killing animals out there and retreats from court. He's not going to church or anything like that. Um, so legend holds that on a good Friday morning, um, everybody else is at church. He's out hunting in the forest and then he's pursuing a magnificent stag. Um, but the animal turns toward him and he sees the crucifix floating between its antlers and hears a voice saying, Hubert, unless thou turnest to the Lord and leadest a holy life, thou shalt quickly go down into hell. Uh Oh, so hunting days are over. <laughs> um, Hubert dismounted, prostrated himself and asked the Lord, what wouldst thou have me do? And, um, the stag directs him to go, um, find this teacher and to start learning to live a holy life. Uh, and in other versions of the story, the stag also goes on and explains how he can be, uh, an ethical hunter that he's supposed to have compassion for God's creatures as, you know, part of creation. Um, and he get, you know, the stag gets quite specific that the hunter ought to only shoot when a clean, quick and humane kill is assured, only shoot old stags past their breeding years, um, you know, and never shoot a female with a, with a, with a baby. Um, and, and all these very specific things about how to, um, hunt, uh, in, in an ethical, compassionate, um, thoughtful way. And of course, a lot of these, you know, rules are, um, are rules that are in place today, um, the, regulated in, in, in the U.S. Uh, if you go hunting, you know, there are certain seasons and all these things are taken into account about the breeding breeding cycles and when you uh, you can and cannot shoot things and uh, sort of the, this sort of ethical standard of behavior that um, at least in, uh, in, in legend here dates all the way back to St. Hubert. So another great story there. And again, I think the justice element is... Um, is at play that there's sort of that there's a right um, response for for human beings when engaging with animals and St. Hubert had sort of thwarted that and that actually part of his call back to Christianity is a call back to a right relationship with animals in the natural world which I find very compelling and beautiful. So I hope that those were some uh, some fun stories, some fun saint stories to celebrate St. Francis. Uh, I'm going to continue celebrating him here with the last uh, sort of recommendation piece of music here is, um, is List, uh, you know, amazing, famous pianist, composer, uh, with his, with his piece, St. Francis Preaching to the Birds. So here we get to hear in musical form, uh, that, that story that I told you in the beginning about when St. Francis decides that, uh, that he needs, he just needs to share the gospel with the birds as he's walking around on, uh, on a, on a lovely afternoon. So, um, you'll hear in the beginning, you know, the trills of the piano really sounding a lot like, uh, you know, a lot like birds as they're flitting around. And then you'll sort of hear these, um, single notes coming in, uh, sort of entering St. Francis's preaching. And then you hear these 
big rich chords coming in i sort of he imagine this as sort of his culmination in his sermon uh i i play about um you know four minutes of the piece it's a 10 minute piece so so there's um, some back and forth after that so you can i'll put a link in the show notes um so you can listen to the rest of the piece but um actually this this uh this was put on my radar um, last week. I'm reading the autobiography, the mem- memoir uh, of Dorothy Day, The Long Lon- Loneliness, and she talks about how uh, she and her brother were very moved listening to the radio when they heard this piece. Uh, this was on the verge of her converting to Catholicism. So I, of course, looked it up, and I thought it was lovely, and now here we are on the Feast of St. Francis. So just seems right. So I hope you are enjoying a cozy, cozy day uh, wherever you are. Happy feast day, happy fall, uh, and I will be back with you next week. I'm Katie Marquette, and this is Born of Wonder.
And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. <laughs>